listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman, and today we're joined by Prashant Kumar, who is the owner and managing partner of My Realty Gains Management LLC. Mr. Kumar, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me, Sterling. Appreciate it very much. Awesome. So give us the rundown. What's your story? How'd you get into real estate investing and and where'd you come from and what are you doing now? So I'll start from the beginning. You said, where do I come from? Of course, I come from India. I came here in 1998 in January with $150 in my pocket. Before that, of course, I was in India. I didn't go to one of the best schools in India. That kind of tells that I have a little bit of aptitude, so to say, (laughs) to get there. From that perspective, I have worked in technology sector ever since I graduated from in 95. You know, I have worked with all the big pharmaceutical companies in the country here in the technology leadership positions and management positions. After 15, 20 years of working, you know, I realized, you know, the day I don't work, I don't get paid. You know, you are always gung-ho in trying to keep working, working. It's like a golden handcuff. You get paid a lot. The day you don't work, you don't get paid. I do consulting, so I get paid at a high, you know, pretty handsome. But I don't work, I don't get paid. So I said I had to build something which is working for me even if I am not working, right? So that's how I got involved in real estate. I bought two single families four years ago when I started. I bought three single families in first year of my real estate. How did that go? I realized very fast that it's not scalable. Within a couple of months, I knew that it's not something that which I really want to do going forward because to replace my income, I needed about 200 homes. (laughs) (laughs) And it would take me about 12 years, 15 years to to replace my income. So long story short, I jumped into multifamily. I bought a multifamily, which is 24 units. And I spent only 18 days buying that. And I said, wow, this is good, man. This is good stuff. (laughs) So, and again, you know, when your savings start to run out, right, you cannot buy, keep on buying, you know. So I started attending all these boot camps, you know, Rod Cleaves, Jake and Geno's, you name it, I was there, you know, I was like (laughs) everywhere. You know, that's where I learned, you know, this idea of syndication, you know, use other people's money and still make some money out of it for yourself because you build competency, right? So you build team, you build competencies, skill set. That's how I started doing syndication. I still buy assets for myself, but I'm focused on multifamily syndications. I'm focused on a little bit on assisted livings also. So that's my forte. Basically, I like to grow that assisted living business as well. How many assisted living facilities do you have? I currently have three assisted living facilities and I'm buying fourth one as we speak. Well, if you don't mind, um, and shame on me for not reading your resume before the show and knowing that, but we have so many multifamily syndicators on this show, and we have never had anybody that had done assisted living facilities. So I would love to deep dive into, into that, if you don't mind. I would love to talk about it. You know, I, I would love to talk about it. See, multifamily and assisted livings are two different asset classes, Right. We know that both these asset classes are 
sort of recession resistant, so to say, you know, like multifamily, there is always a demand for assisted living also, right? Everybody's getting older every day, sure. right? Nobody's getting Whether younger. we want to or not. <laughs> Whether we want to or not. Nobody's getting younger. So there is a demand out there, right? So, I mean, the one which I have bought so far, I'm learning, that was just a pilot project. We went to a ass- residential model to begin with. Because this where you have higher cash flow. You are buying a single family home and then you are putting six residents there. Okay. Or, I mean, we typically buy the business, okay? I just go and buy the business rather than buying a property and then build it, take the license and stuff like that. I don't do that. I just go buy the business and transfer the license in my name, basically. You don't need any type of credentials or certifications to go into that business, or is that something you already had from your work? You need to be a multifamily administrator. This is state-specific requirements. You need to go to the classes. You need to be an administrator to be able to run. So the operator, see, I'm the owner, right? Owner of the business. But the operator who's running the property for me, he needs to have that certification. I don't need to have the certificate. I know nothing about that certification. Okay. So for me, so it's like a property manager. Property manager may or may not, in multifamily property manager may or may, or may not need a certification or may or may not need a license, realtor license. But in, multi, in assisted living, an operator of that property needs to have an administrative license. Can you back up a little bit? Because I'm, yeah. I'm still a little confused about, and I'm only confused because I know yeah. nothing about the assisted living facility industry. Sure. In my mind, when I hear assisted living facility, I think of like a big building where yeah. people go towards the end of their life. Yeah. Which you described, it sounds like a much smaller kind yes. of... Yeah, yeah let, me, let me take a step back. Yes, there are two kinds of assisted living facilities. One is big box, we call them big box facilities. You know, it's like in a hotel, sure. hotel room. You know, hotel, you know, you have separate rooms in yep. the line. And at the first floor, you typically have, you know, their kitchens, you have all the entertainment facilities, like what we have in a hotel, basically. You go to Marriott, first floor is always like a kitchen or a lobby and entertainment and stuff like that. And on top, you have rooms. So that yeah. same thing, you can have assisted living also uh, in a similar fashion. It's called big box facility. It has a little bit more regulations, a little more expenses because you are, you are dealing with very high quality professionals, things like that. I'm not talking about them yet. I'm talking about the another model is you have a single family home where you can have anywhere from six to 18 residents. Okay. You take care of them or your staff takes care of them basically on a day-to-day basis for their needs for entertainment, food, lodging, and everything included. So it is still a single family home and depending upon the state, I mean, in California, it is, it can be only up to six beds. Are you in California? Where are you coming to us from? Yes. In this business, in this business, we are in California right now, Okay. but we plan to expand that into other states like Arizona, Colorado or Texas or New Jersey. I mean, I live in New York, so I probably would do something in New Jersey also, not in New York. I mean, New York is is not something which I can handle because they have too many restrictions. Sure. So you have a six bed facility, you know, let me just step back and say you have a six, you are at home. It looks like a home in a residential area. 
it doesn't look any different except that you have ample parking and you have maybe a ramp to go into the home it's not like the steps for elderly people and just a normal home and you have to be a big home to house 18 people <laughs> if it is 18 18 or 12 beds you know then it it has to be a big home but in california our homes are like six beds so it is simple simple home you know typically what people do is they have they have a garage or something so they convert that garage into two beds so they are four bed home and they kind of convert that area garage area into two beds so you have like six beds facility so basically it is high expense ratio business it is a business you know the operator has to be really skillful because you are dealing with people on a day to day basis you know you in multifamily you have residents your tenants, you don't need to talk to them on a day-to-day basis. Right. You got a property manager, yeah. Yeah, yeah. property manager doesn't need to talk to them on a day-to-day basis. As long as they submit the rent, property manager doesn't need to interact with them. Here, the operator needs to interact, feed them, bathe them, help them, medicate, administer the medicines and everything, basically. So the operator has to be very skillful operator, so to say. He has to hire the right staff, the staff who is skillful. So there is the cost of running a assisted living is the ratio is a little bit higher. It is not not like multifamily where our expenses go from anywhere from forty percent or thirty five percent even to like fifty fifty five percent. This is a little bit higher because you are paying extra to the operator. Operator doesn't come with. Four percent, maybe they do, but they charge maybe gross eight nine percent, something like that. So our expense ratio, because you are you are providing food, you are providing entertainment, you are providing everything to your tenants, right? So the expense ratio is typically sixty to sixty five percent range. If you have a higher expense ratio, meaning you have a lower profit percentage. Why do that over like a multifamily? You have lower percentage of profit, but your rents are pretty high. Okay. To give an example, if it is six bed facility, you buy it for maybe 800,000. Let's just give round number, you know. You buy six bed facility for 800,000, but each bed, each room, you're charging anywhere from four to $5,000 per month. Wait, what? So, a bed? Yeah. Yeah. Because you are providing all the services to your residents. So so on an average, your rent roll is approximately $24,000 to $30,000 per month. Okay. And Right? Just on a round figure, if you see one third as a prof, I mean, cash flow out of your operations, that would be anywhere from $8,000 to $10,000 per home cash flow out of it. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, those numbers are those numbers are a lot more attractive. Yeah, it is not a three thousand um, dollar. You know, you are not renting your home for three thousand dollars. You are running a business, and where you are, gross rent incoming is anywhere from twenty four to thirty thousand dollars per month. Do you find that those like kind of single family, or as you call them, residential models, are better? than or worse than the the big box stores because in in my mind you could take better advantage of the economies of scale and a a much larger facility yeah so in my mind so basically if you have to buy a business okay you have to buy a business your big box facility will be sold at 
maybe seven cap or eight cap. You are giving a lot of money to mm-hmm. buy that asset. Unless you do the ground up development, that's a different story altogether. Okay. If you are buying a running business, you will buy it at maybe eight cap, maybe nine cap, maybe 10 cap, right? I hope everybody understand what I mean by cap. But when you are talking about this business, if you have, if you have this running business, you are making $10,000 cash flow, NOI per month, $120,000 on a $800,000 investment. That's insane. Um, you are talking about 15 cap. Yeah. Your cap is pretty high. I think it is even more than that. I mean, so your cap is really, really high in a smaller model. And so is your investment. You know, your investment is lower too, right? I mean, sure. you know, but in a bigger bigger one comes out more expensive. I mean, their, their expenses are of different kind. You have to have right. you know, extra landscaping. You have to have lakes going on, you know. <laughs> so you are making it luxurious, so to say. And you're providing all that facility. That's the difference, basically. I mean, we want to go into the bigger ones. We are learning the ropes. You know, we have over the last year and a half, you know, we have done these three. We are doing a few more into different states. So we are learning the business. And of course, we are in multifamily syndication. So we know how the syndication works. So you are syndicating these assistants. No, these ones are the small. These are ones are the homes. So we are just buying it on our in our names, you know. No okay. syndication. We are because those are like one transaction is eight hundred thousand. It's not worth doing the syndication sure. in that. But if you go into the bigger big box facility, which will be like maybe five, ten million, fifteen million, then of course we will do syndication. Okay. So I have two questions, and and I'm I know you can't answer them both at the same time, but I'm afraid I'm going to forget one of them if I don't spit them both out. So the first one is around where you find your tenants or the old folks that come into your homes. Because just in my mind, I mean, I hope to never put my parents in any type of home, especially if they're listening to this, but I would probably feel more comfortable with like a big luxurious name brand facility than just some guy who's going to stick them in some little house over here in the corner. So I just wonder how you deal with yeah. that. And then, then my next question is around market selection. What do you look for when you're deciding where to buy besides, it sounds yeah. like you just buy where you yeah. are right now. Very good. Okay. So let me answer the first question, right? Would I go and live in an apartment complex where I'm in Rose homes? There are different ways you can look at it, right? Would I like to go in a in a bigger box facility where I'm just in my room and, you know, I'm professionally being taken care of, but, you know, there's no personal interaction. You know, the staff is changing daily. At the time, they give me the food and I'm watching TV. Uh, I'm doing some activities. Yes, people, that's one model, but there's another model where you need to have human touch. So everybody has different needs. And you feel like you want to put your loved ones into a place which feels like a home. Sure. Not like a hospital. Sure. Right? Not like a hospital where you have rooms. You know, everybody has different needs and we have never had any problem. People do like this residential model where they know that, yes, my dad, my my mom is going to be with these six people. Mm -hmm. These are six people of their age. They will become friends. 
because they'll be talking to them all the time. Only these six people will be there. Maybe, you know, there'll be some changes once in a while and the staff is going to be the same. So it kind of becomes a family. Awesome. Right? So, and it's not just one. I mean, this is a business model. I mean, it's like everywhere. I never knew that these were places were there around my home, around my house where I live. But when I search for it, they're like all of, all over the place, you know. Sure. So it is It is a growing, I mean, it's a business basically. I mean, not that I do it from a business perspective, but, you know, money does come. You know, we do earn money. I mean, we are more like in the serving attitude. So uh, let me let me ask you this. With the rents being so high, with the cost of care being so high, how are you paid? Is this typically the actual people paying? Is it their children yes. paying? Is there some yeah, insurance we, or we just do private pay? Okay. Or in some cases, there might be a need from a hospital where they may want to put somebody in a care facility rather than keeping them in the hospital for a month or two. In those cases, I mean, hospital will pay us, hospital will charge the insurance company. But mostly it is all private pay. You know, kids want to have their parents a good life and they have budgeted for that. And we don't do Medicare and stuff. You know, these are not skilled nursing facilities. This is just a care home where elderly people can come and they, they live happily, you know, until the next step happens in their life. Right. Okay. Awesome. Can I just yeah. go buy a big house down the street or is there other things I probably need to think about before? Yes. Pick a very good, very good question. You can buy a house down the street, but you need to know the regulations in the, in the state. Okay. Right. You need to know what regulation is anybody doing that kind of thing. Anybody, you know, do you know an operator? They may guide you that. Yes, you can buy this home. I mean, how many beds are allowed, right? So you need to learn some ropes. It's not like you just buy a home and rent it out. It's not that. Mm-hmm. You need to know what are the state regulations. How can I convert this home into, because not every, bed, every home has six beds, as I said, right. right? Or 12 beds or 18 beds for that matter. So you need to find a suitable property. But the best thing is to find an operator who can run it, who has done it before, rather than you doing it yourself. Associate yourself with a operator where you can talk to the operator or you can partner with an operator for that matter, actually. I mean, this is what we did. We partnered with, with the operator directly and the operator is running running the show for us on the ground and we are managing you know other pieces of the business. So it's very technical. It's like healthcare, right? I mean, it's like going to doctor's office. There's so many regulations, so much piece sure. of information, so much to, you have to always be on top of paperwork that, you know, state requirement, especially now in COVID, we are testing our residents every week. We are testing our residents every week. And in California, you know, they have every single regulation that they can think of, they have put in. Sure. Have you had any issue being in California where the bulk of... We have issues, you know, while we are trying to buy more. You know, because of the regulations, lenders have stopped lending on these properties. So we have issues. So that's why we are looking at other other states now, starting to look at other states because California had just have too many regulations and lenders not willing to give land, basically. I mean, our balance sheets are okay, but lenders are like, 
I mean, we have been turned down by so many lenders, you know, sure. in California. So it's, it's probably it's not worth our time anymore to start changing and continue to chase lenders. And so, I mean, from a market selection, you have to start somewhere, right? If you know the business, you are in Texas, you are in Colorado, and you are in Arizona. I mean, at least these states I know because I have done the research, plus New Jersey, you can buy a home and you can start, you can start looking to doing things. Or, I mean, we buy businesses. Mm-hmm. We don't buy, we have not done anything from the scratch yet, but we plan to do something from, from the ground up or buy a home and convert that into a business. That is the next step that we have to do. Awesome. Now that you've bought the business itself and the license and the employees and the staff and the infrastructure going forward, you're not looking to buy another business. You could probably just buy a house and use your existing infrastructure to grow that way. From a operation standpoint, you know, our softwares and all, we just use whatever we have done in one home. We just use the same thing in another home. Yeah. Just bring more employees, but each home is a separate business. Each home needs its tenants. So every time we buy home, we buy a business. Does that that give you liability protection, segregating those assets like that? Is that why you that is correct? Yeah, that is correct. Very good question. Every time each home is a separate business and we have separate liability insurance for all of them so that these are not intermingled. Sure. So the liability on one home is only on that home. The other home is not affected by this. So that's the asset protection part. But so every home has to have a licensed administrator. Mm -hmm. So there is a license for that home. So you get the license for the facility. So that takes like six months time. Uh, So we do buy a home and you convert it You six months. You are paying the mortgage and then you start bringing the residents. We have not done that yet. So we just keep on buying one business at a time. So that's how we have been doing it. We are not done too much we have only four three homes we want to buy one more which we are doing right now fourth one but this year we plan to buy a few in phoenix arizona scottsdale area and actually i will be in scottsdale tomorrow for a couple of days to look at a few properties a few businesses and we want to expand there awesome anything else you want to mention about the assisted living industry before we hop back over to multifamily I mean, this is this is a good cash flowing business. Uh, as long as you have time, you know, it's very easy to replicate. If you have yeah. done one, it's not that it's easy. It's just that you have learned the ropes. So yeah. You can continue to replicate that. You know, you can make your W2 income in one home itself. Yeah. So those who are looking to quit their job sometime, invest into one assisted living home for a year, by the end of the year, I'm, I'm 100% sure that you'll start making what you make in your job, considering what, you know, you are in a mid-level pay range, you know. Oh, well, you've definitely piqued my interest. I'm going to be uh, digging into that and I, sure. I'll definitely uh, be calling yeah, you later. Yes, yes. You are welcome, Sterling. Anytime, you know, I would love to help and I would love to share whatever I know, you know, hold your hands wherever it's needed. Awesome. Thank you so much. So hopping into multifamily, tell us about your experience and your your plans with the multifamily syndication space. Yeah, so basically, you know, as I said, you know, in 2019, we did about 1,200 units. Okay. 
and uh, after that in 2020 was not the best year we did not do much into 2020 for obvious reasons where most of your 1200 units so we have properties in uh, Huntsville Alabama Atlanta Indianapolis and Houston I spent most of 2020 looking for an apartment complex in Huntsville, Alabama. I guess you beat, oh, it? You beat okay. me to it. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, we are actually closing a deal in Huntsville uh, next week. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know whether you know the Grand Reserve. That that's what we are closing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 232 unit. Oh wow, that's awesome. So, obviously there's there's a difference between the markets where you're buying multifamily and where you're buying the assisted living facilities. So, can you explain why such a different area when it comes to that yeah so it is it is based on your partnerships right i mean so assisted living is just a separate different kind of business and multifamily is a different kind of business so our our property managers in our properties in multifamily they are specialized only in multifamily and we have different market but our operator when we started our assisted living our operator is from california and they have like 10 other facilities so we kind of just tagged along tag along with them and we bought three properties there so that's a different business different partner and multifamily is a different completely different animal and we do multifamily where it makes sense in terms of the market but as assisted living we are doing where we have more partnership more boots on the ground and we have more knowledge of the market to say in that space so uh, i mean can we do assisted living in hansville i'm sure we can but we don't have the competency the skill set that we need for those and if we find something we will do it it's just that we have not done it yet awesome so how was it transitioning into multifamily how big was your first apartment complex My first apartment complex was my biggest one. It was 550 units. Well, for those of y'all who are listening to this podcast and not watching the YouTube video, I was just hanging my mouth open in surprise. Your first apartment complex was 552 units. How do you go and buy a 552 unit apartment complex having never done something like that before? So, it's it's all about your attitude, your mindset, right? I mean, it's not about you know i have to buy four plaques before i buy 100 units right sure so it's not that i think when you get into the in this game whether you get 10% or 70% of that business you still are the owner of 550 units sure maybe your percentage is less but point i'm trying to say is we have to realize a team game sure right it is not about i can do 550 maybe i could not have but it's about the team that you have you know you have the right legal person on your team you have the right underwriter on your team you have the right some uh, contacts where you bring the money you know like right bridge lenders you know right property managers with whom you have done the work and you have the ability you have the right partnerships to raise that kind of capital for the business basically if you have these things together all you have to do you have to bring everything together and do your deal right yeah. but yes it is stressful from that perspective yes i do agree what you are saying i am not uh, rubbing that off <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, lightly could i have done differently yes i think i should have done a little bit smaller because it was a big big effort i mean it takes four five months 
you have you are paying away a lot of equity of the deal to KPs, mm-hmm. you know, to different GPs, and then then you are left with little bit of little bit left for you. Yeah. If you are in a smaller deal, maybe I would have higher equity. But in the end, it is the same thing. You know, fifty percent of five million is same same as ten percent of twenty five million. Right. So, <laughs> so in the end, it is the same thing. But you get exposed to bigger numbers. Your mind kind of opens up. Sure. And and you are able to do bigger things in future. Yeah, I was explaining that to somebody the other day about a a, a fifty three unit we have, and mm-hmm. they said, "Well, how much are you making?" I said, "Oh, less than I make on a fourplex, but." It's taken us to the uh, to a larger crowd and a larger group with bigger numbers. And the most important thing is you are able to think bigger. Right. When you are in a fourplex, you are not able to think of a fifty-three sure. unit property, but when you are in fifty-three, you can think of hundred now easily. Yeah. That's how I think about it. Is for me to think about two hundred, three hundred is not not a big deal anymore. Sure. If I had done only hundred, doing five hundred would have been a bigger jump but after doing 500 you know 100 200 doesn't bother me at all how were your rent collections during 2020 i mean to be frank with you our rent collections had no issues i mean we yes we did i haven't seen anybody or any data that suggests any issues when this thing first kicked off back in march it was apocalyptic forecast from everyone but it's surprisingly, uh, it's had minimal impact on the industry, if any at yeah, all. It, it did. I must say that it did have some impact. It's not that it did not have any impact because they were, you know, we had to evict folks from our units. You know, it did have some impact, but it's not as big as it was projected, right? Sure. Maybe five to 10% impact in some properties, but in other properties, there was no impact at all. Right. So some properties did have some impact. I mean, I like everybody else, we lost. We had to evict like ten percent of our tenants, but we got we got some aid from here and there, so we were able to make it up that way. So our mm-hmm. bottom line has not changed drastically. Maybe small impact, but there are some properties where there was no impact at all. I mean, there's mm-hmm. like literally no impact. I mean, <laughs> we were even able to raise some rents. Right. Because we were expanding more on these sanitizers and stuff, our expenses were going a little bit higher. So we kind of, you know, raised few rent, few bucks on rent in some properties, and it, you know, people understand. You know, we put the dispenser in every door, things like that. Sure. So that's a little extra expense. So so it worked out okay for us. Awesome. Now. One thing I want to go back to, and it's kind of not even real estate related, but it's very much mindset related, which you and I both know is such a huge part of of this or any game really. But you said when you came over here in 1998, that you had $150 in your pocket. Tell me a little bit about the struggles you went through to get from that place to obviously the tremendous amount of success you've had today. You know, a lot of times in America, we and maybe it's like this everywhere else too. I, I'm just familiar with how we, we view things here. It's like, oh, well, he only has a lot because he started with a lot. And the folks that didn't start with a lot don't really have the opportunity to get where the other folks, the privileged folks ended up. Yeah. Obviously, you're a perfect case study of how that was not the case. Mm-hmm. So can you please elaborate about, about that experience? When we come to the United States, we come on a work visa. 
mm. right? So the day we can't come, you know, you have a job. It's not that you are jobless, right? So that $150 is just a, you know, the way of saying that, you know, yes, I came, I had nothing when I came, sure. but I had a job. Mm. The job which was paying me, whatever it was, you know, $50,000 or whatever. So when you come in first time, you already have a job, you land on a job. So you find an apartment, your, you know, your employer helps you to settle down. You know, they help you to get a credit card. They help you to get your driving license and you are working from day one. So you are getting paid basically. Mm. So that's your beginning basically. Yes, I'm getting paid for $5,000 a month. So I pay my rent and I'm working hard, you know, like everybody else. And the next thing you know is, you know, after a couple of years, your salary start to go up and your skill set goes higher. You keep on switching your jobs. That time you are like focused on the job only because you don't know there is anything else in the world. Sure, right? sure. At that time, unless you have a mentor at that time, and which I regret that I did not have a mentor at that time who would tell me other things in this world, right? I mean, there are hundred things to do. Right. Right. There was nobody to tell tell me. So we are like, like with our blinders on, okay, this is my job. Sure. This is my world. I mean, this computer is my my job. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know that you know what these blinders that these horses have? You know, I interview younger guys a lot that are in their early twenties and uh-huh. they're talking about house hacking and all this other kind of stuff. And I said, Man, when I was in my twenties, like I had no idea. Like when I was even coming up on 30, like I thought I had the world figured out because I was doing really good at my day job. Same thing. We, we were like so focused on this. Oh, I have to get a good job. I have to get another $10,000 raise, another $15,000 raise mm-hmm. on the job only, nothing else. I mean, right. you freaking have no idea. You know, you are like a dumb, dumb guy when you go and buy a car. I mean, right. you are like, <laughs> you know, you don't know how to negotiate with the salesman. I mean, he will rip right. you off. You know, and you feel feel happy writing him a check because you don't know how to negotiate. So that's how we were, right? I mean, I'm just being open and frank. Sure. And you are just remain like that. But when you start open, and the part of the reason is you are so focused on your job, then you don't have time any time left for you. Right. So that financial, I would say, insecurity, because if you don't have a job, you are out of, you don't have money, and you cannot stay here. So you have to remain focused on the job so that you keep doing what you are doing so that, you know, it's, it's a cycle. It, every month paycheck keeps coming, but you cannot quit the job because the, the moment you quit the job, you are illegal yeah. and you have to go back. <laughs> so that's, that's the immigrants perspective. So sure. that's how they, fo- they remain focused. And once you get green card and stuff, people start getting into different businesses, you know, start buying something. I never did that. For like 20 years, 15, 19 years, people do get involved into real, you know, stock market and things like that. I never did that. For me, the first exposure in a different business than my real, my day job is is real estate. And I'm just loving it. I'm just loving it because I don't have to say it, but your net worth going up so fast. It, it doesn't happen in any other area, you know. Sure. You know, you're doing a bigger project. $15 million project, you're, the day you sign the paper, on paper, your net worth has grown. Right. And that helps you to get the next loan, basically. Sure. So this is just an amazing asset class. You know, if you find the right asset, you buy the, at the right time, right price, 
it's not you making money it is you helping others to the busy professionals to earn what they cannot earn so my second to last question is if you had to start over again what would you do differently in my life in general well or in real estate business? in real estate okay if i had to start over again i don't need to spend time learning about single families i would really go into the commercial asset class from day one yeah there is no reason for me to i mean i have had so many troubles with the single family i have a tenant who has not paid me the rent for 6 months i still have those single families by the way and the guy is not leaving i mean 6 months you know he is having a free ride and i cannot for me as a taxpayer guy i cannot just stop paying mortgage because that goes on my credit report sure so basically you know uh, it's just one home one guy can screw you up big time i mean this guy owns me 12000 six months worth of rent he has not paid me that much i have not made that much money in four years on that house <laughs> right. Not, right so it's not worth the tension you know worth uh, i mean let professionals manage that rather than me managing it personally Absolutely. so i would go into the commercial asset class on day one yep 100% so I want to finish up with our radio round where we just ask three questions to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. And the first one is what's your favorite book? I like Joe Fearless's best ever syndication book. I like that one. That book is the reason we started this podcast a year and a half ago. <laughs> and, and the reason I got into apartment syndication. Excellent book. I, I love Joe Fearless all around. I love the event he put on. I went there and saw him in Keystone last year. I was on his show. I'm trying to get him to come on my show, but he's a he's a busy man. Yeah, Joe's sure great for sure. What is your favorite quote? I think uh, I do meditation also, you know, in my life. The way I look at my life is whatever best you have to do, you have to do today. You cannot wait for tomorrow. Absolutely. So there is a quote, live as if you are going to die tomorrow. Yeah. So do whatever best you need to do or enjoy your life today don't put up things for tomorrow so that helps me to keep moving every day you know with full enthusiasm and keeping the purpose of life you know helping others and doing the right thing today right now is the time to do the right thing there may not be a next moment you know absolutely and what's your favorite thing to do outside of work uh, as i said i meditate i help others in their lives to gain peace so that's where i get the biggest satisfaction that i'm giving back to the world and even the starting this sustainable living business is also on that same path even the syndication is also on the same path the deepest level is meditation giving back to the society then helping elders and then at the third level helping busy professionals who cannot focus on earning money through other asset assets or anything helping them to gain some financial freedom so that's my my biggest pet peeve of my life is to give back and when i give back i always get it you know multifold sure. and that's the fundamental law of nature but i don't do that for that reason i just you know selflessly try to be what i am rather than expecting something out of it awesome 
Well, Prashant, I really appreciate you coming on our show today. I learned more from this show than I have in a long time. I'm not downgrading my other guests. I've, I've had some wonderful guests on the show. You just hit into some specific topics that we don't run across every day. So I, I really appreciate you joining. I, I know our, our listeners are going to love it. I'm super personally, just on a personal level, super excited to have connected with you and look forward to communicating with you more in the future. Can you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you or find out more about you? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, My Realty Gains, that's the name of my company. My name is Prashant, P-R-A-S-H-A-N-T at MyRealtyGains.com. But if you, before I go, if you go to my website, I have created a seven-day email course, which kind of educates passive investors, the very busy professionals about how they can invest into real estate passively and what are the benefits, how they can earn superior uh, returns without doing anything in this by passively investing. So you can go to my website, you know, I'm on Facebook or on LinkedIn, or you can call me on my cell phone, schedule a call with me on my website. That way it's on the calendar, but my cell phone is 631-428-6479. Feel free to call me, email me, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. I'm right here. Awesome. Thank you so much, Prashant. We'll definitely be keeping in touch. Thank you so much, Sterling. Appreciate your time today, my friend. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Cressworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.